Welcome to Verging on Greatness, a podcast about films that verge on greatness, but mostly just wallow in mediocrity, with your hosts, Mike Porkfeld and Craig Saventi. Yo! Yo, Good evening. we're back. We are back. Welcome to part two of Craig and Mike's two-part lockdown special, Verging on Greatness. We are in lockdown, Craig in London and me in Auckland, New Zealand. Uh, and yep. so we've got a little bit more time on our hands. So we thought we would throw down a double feature of viral outbreak movies. Um, we have already come out with uh, Outbreak from 1990, 1990, Just revealing that it's the evening for me and it's the morning for Craig. Therefore, I have been drinking beer and Craig has been drinking coffee. Um, so we're going to, which is a re- reversal. Uh, what actually, no, this is the, 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 this is how it is. This is the standard. It's a rare occasion where I get to drink and you're <laughs> on the coffee. So, so we're going to leap, we're going to leap forward 16 years from outbreak to contagion. And I think we are going from the sublime to the ridiculous in these two movies and their treatment of a viral outbreak, um, contagion a massively massively more sophisticated approach than outbreak outbreak very much a barnstorming ass kicking helicopter flying gun shooting car chasing blockbuster and contagion not that at all none of those things no it's not a single car chase no in this movie the most of the action happens with people talking into a phone someone fires a gun there is a gunshot there are gun, you, oh, you hear gunshots. Yeah, or you see you see gun you see the muzzle flash in, in a scene later in the film. But yeah, yeah. So yeah, sixteen years. You can really you can really trace the uh, the journey that Hollywood has been on in those sixteen years, can't you? From oh yeah, from from outbreak coming out, and it's. I mean, you look. I like I, I said during that podcast. I love that era of movie. I, I can just I can sit back and enjoy how how tightly it's all put together, how well it's acted, how well it's paced, how perfectly balanced the script is and the pace and the toner. Mm. Um, but at the same time, it's 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 ridiculous. It's it's very very silly. Um, it's it's all completely unlikely and very predictable. Where contagion. Uh, so it's Steven Soderbergh and is the director and it's going for much more of a real portrayal of real people and what their lives would really be like in a world where you had an outbreak of a deadly virus virus and uh, living through a pandemic right now I can say it's quite chillingly accurate in its portrayal it is chilling it's a lot more it's a lot more on the nose than than outbreak for mm. for people in our current circumstance 100 percent uh as as we're recording this it's um sunday morning in london for me and i i've literally watched a parade of people walking past uh on the street below uh in masks um so the the writer so the writer for this is um scott burns scott that's right z or z burns and and scotty has obviously done a lot of research because this this script is absolutely on point with what we are seeing 
now and the the world's response to to this virus to the COVID nineteen mm. virus. There is there is so much that is it almost sends a shiver down your spine with how how accurate and relatable it is for what we're going through right now. There are certainly there's certainly plenty that's different. The um, the the mortality rate is significantly higher in contagion. So there's there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff online kind of comparing this movie to to real life. Um, so I've I've done a bit of scouting through that. Um, the so obviously the mortality rate is a lot higher in contagion. They say it's it varies over the course of the of the film, but it's it's somewhere in the neighborhood of twenty five percent. Yeah. But cont- the disease and contagion reveals itself a lot more quickly. So you yeah, you, you it's know a lot faster. you know within about a day of getting it whether you've got it. Yeah. Which COVID nineteen does not. It stays dormant yeah. for a lot longer. You can carry it a lot longer, yeah. which means it's way harder to track and way harder way easier to spread yeah um, that's right which which in a, in a way makes it a more dangerous virus even though it's much less likely to kill its host than the virus in contagion yeah and and um i remember having discussions uh back in school about how you would end the world and um or how you'd kill all life on on earth or all human life um, and it was widely considered that the uh, the way to do it would be with a virus, but it would need to be a virus that could stay um, a virus or, or a sickness. But it'd have to be something that didn't burn out too soon, because ultimately with something that burned out too soon, you could just isolate everyone, go into lockdown, and it would burn out inside of a week, um, which the virus and contagion, uh, sorry, an outbreak would do that. If mm. you kept everyone in lockdown for, for 72 to... 72 hours to a week um, the virus would burn out you would have a lot of dead people sure but the um, so long as you were handling the the after effects like the, that's a job over inside of a week you're you're on to recovery uh, but with unfortunately with covid um, that doesn't work that the, the you, many people are asymptomatic um, and you can be infectious uh, while having no symptoms no visible symptoms for up to two weeks up to 14 days um, and and we're still not sure um, and again, with the virus in, in this movie, which they call MEV1, um, the virus is, uh, yeah, like you said earlier, you know you have the virus inside of inside of 48 hours. Um, and in, it, by the film's by the film's internal logic, you, you know whether that's going to be fatal or not within within 72 to a week. So. It's, so they, yeah. the, the film, it's, um, so it's, it's very, very, it, it, it aims for a very, very realistic portrayal. There's not a lot of Hollywood tropes in here. There's nope. not a lot of heroism or villainy. Um, although we'll, there are characters that display certain degrees of those, which we'll, we'll get to in a little bit, but overall, overall the, the tone is, it's aiming for a real kind of hyper-realism and a, an ensemble kind of approach of different stories in, in the Steven Soderbergh style an ensemble of different stories that are some of them are loosely connected to others but by and large you're really you're really seeing the way that this the way that the, a, a, the, this global scenario affects dif- yeah. different people depending on their circumstances so we tried to boil it down right so we we figured 
we 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 can't probably do this film in in the same way that we would ordinarily cover a film where we kind of bash out the plot plot by plot beat by beat because there's effectively four main plots in this film Mm. is what we came down to right so there's the there's the uh gwyneth paltrow matt damon plot line which is the every man and every woman i guess um victim a victim um or or that through line there's the lawrence fishburne kate winslet jennifer eel through line um which are they're the cdc and the first responders that's the author it's the authorities right the authority figures yeah there's the um the marion coltiard apologies if i'm not saying that name right um through line she is a, a C, she is a who um employee who is sent to china to try and track down the source of the virus and she winds up being kidnapped and there's a fourth through line with the jude law character who is a an uh, anti-vaxxing um blogger holistic medicine blogger yeah um sign of the times uh and there's his through line so there's four plot threads that weave this film's tapestry together and so and there's i guess we'll try and talk about the various plots a little bit yeah we'll 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 kind of focus on those four there's there's so many there's too many other characters to try and name um all played by like a solid solid cast as with outbreak yeah the, the cast in contagion is top notch yeah very it's very a, very very solid A-list, level of talent an a-list cast um jam-packed full of um, academy award winners um award-winning actors and actresses mm. um all of whom have had uh, starring roles in, in big big films mm. um yeah um brian brian cranston is in it as a oh, yeah. as an army um army boss yeah some sort of yeah military military type who's attached to the cdc so elliot gould is in it he's as a uh, as a scientist he's kind of a like a, a private scientist but who is helping that who's helping the cdc out but he gets yeah he gets pulled from the project because they're worried about his his ability to handle this virus but he winds up making a a significant breakthrough yeah he's the one that eventually manages to grow it in quantity hmm. um yeah so he's the one that gives them the the ability to research this thing in, in greater depth elliot gould hmm. yeah um uh, gosh so where do we where do we start do you want to should we start with should we start with the everyman should we start with matt damon and and gwyneth paltrow yeah and and i, I mean we'll we'll try and be a bit more serious about this film than than perhaps we were with outbreak um because only because it it is actually so close to the mark on what is actually happening right now um but uh, if i might i would just take a moment to say i fully believe in a universe where gwyneth paltrow causes the deaths of millions upon millions of people (laughs) just to throw just to throw that out early (laughs) and i would just say like um uh and I, I, I apologize in advance if I get a bit worked up um, during during this because there are people in this film that um, both in real life and in the context of the film are um, actively cause the deaths or, or spread misinformation or, um, you know, are anti-science or anti-vax type persons. Gwyneth Paltrow in real life has a website called Goop, which 
spouts some absolute nonsense in terms of healthcare. Uh, she is the real, not quite as bad, but she is the real life version of the Jude Law character. You know, spouting some, you know, holistic nonsense um, for in terms of healthcare uh, to, to people who should know better. Which makes her an interesting casting decision in this movie. Now that you mention it, because that's been around since before two thousand eleven, right? I'm not sure when Goop came out, but yeah, it's been around for a while. Very interesting casting. Um, yeah, I think they just wanted to. And, and she's barely in the film. She spends more time in the film dead than she does up and about. Um, and she's the, she's patient, patient zero, I, I guess. She's yeah. the... You find out at yeah. the end that she's patient zero. It's throughout the most of the film, it's, question, it's, it's, a, it's up for debate. And I think one of the, one of the points that, that, they, that they focus on is the amount of time that's wasted because it's, it's significantly political it becomes more and more political the closer you trace it to the source and the closer you are to saying this virus came from here yeah that's a that's a hugely damaging thing to say and the the closer you get to the source the the more reluctance you you find to to making that making that clear and and providing that information that's presumably very relevant to the people who are trying to solve it and yeah, so to try and find the source so it's one of one of the examples of how where our people are, are are one of the enemies of it's not us against the virus it's people against people yeah yeah and which is exactly what's happening here as well where people try to politicize or weaponize the source of the virus so um the current u.s administration um god bless them all uh they've they've tried to make it the chinese coronavirus as if to put the blame on china Mm. um and and there are people who um are blaming uh people from china as being carriers of the virus and really it's just giving them an excuse to express their their racism in in what they think is a healthy way uh by by being racist mm. uh, towards people from china so which i guess the movie doesn't quite hammer that point but it does get close to that point uh, i think yeah it's, think, it's certainly yeah it, it implies it it certainly implies it yeah and it, and it does it does portray the chinese as being very protective of themselves in that very authoritarian way which i guess um i guess we've also seen in real life where where china haven't been as upfront with um with the with the virus and 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 their their role in both suppressing it initially and and maybe not reporting the numbers correctly um which is exactly what happens in the movie which is exactly what's happened in real life Mm. so Mm. um yeah if you wanted to look at this film and go wow that they really nailed what went down and if you thought at the time that it was unrealistic or that wouldn't happen uh you should go back and re-watch this film and then take a look at the newspaper because what's happened in this film is exactly what has happened in real life so anyway yeah we start with the everyman um gwyneth paltrow um she she's patient zero she doesn't realize that she's uh, a cheating wife she um chooses to come home on an earlier flight to see an ex-boyfriend or, or, or an ex-lover of some description so they can have a rendezvous um and then she returns home to Matt Damon, um, a very schlubby looking Matt Damon, which I thought was an interesting note about the film. There's, there's no action star in this film, even though Matt Damon 
is an action star in his own right but in this film he's a bit schlubby he's he's um he's got he's got a bit of growth on him he's got a shaggy haircut he's not an action hero which makes him also um, also an interesting casting choice like yeah like yeah, there are actual schlubby actors that you could cast why, yeah you don't why, have to cast matt you damon. don't have to schlub up matt damon no you could yeah you could cast anybody um, it's interesting you mentioned you mentioned like there's not much hollywood stuff in here like no one saves the cat it's actually the opposite the first thing you find out about gwyneth well it's you don't know for sure but it's strongly implied that she was she's been having an affair unless the guy phoning mm. her is actually her husband which seems un- it seems unlikely in, it, she's obviously the wedding ring is very prominent in that first shot yeah yeah she's holding it with her left hand the wedding ring is front and center and the conversation starts like it could be a cute like that's how that that usually plays in film it's a cute cute conversation um between a husband and wife where they're pretending to be strangers in a bar Mm. or uh, and you find out later that they're married with two kids Mm. um but it's a clever bit of writing on mr burns behalf where it opens and you're not it doesn't present as a fair until the last couple of sentences where he's like, "This is the uh, you've got to use this email address. It's the only secure one." Oh and, right, that's right. That's yeah, the, yeah. That's the bit that that tips you. And then you realize, yeah, yeah. And then you realize that it, it's not it's not a cute it's not a cute moment. It's um, it's uh, an illicit relationship. So, mm. so so yeah. yeah. Far from having her save a save a cat or or shake hands with a dog or something, she announces yeah. that she's having an affair. So instantly puts her on a on a on a a poor footing with the audience you straight away yeah she doesn't even mention that her husband's unfulfilling or he's hitting her or anything she's just having an affair yeah presumably because she's a a terrible human being she's a terrible human being and i'm very unconventionally for a hollywood film um like doesn't provide an excuse or that like he's you know he's constantly cheating on her like you said yeah. or, or hitting her or like just you know she's having an affair with an ex-boyfriend and that's and, and that's every and everything else in the movie plays out like that as well there's, there's it's not it's not romanticized it's 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 just it is, but it's not it's not kind of nasty either it's not evil there's, there's no there's no suggestion that the virus is somehow her comeuppance for having the affair the affair is just something that a human does and it's almost mm. it's almost a plot device because it becomes a a thing later on as 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 they're trying to track it down could she have caught it from from this rendezvous yeah it's a, it's a plot it, well i mean um there isn't much plot between the the scenes as as we said earlier this film is kind of like a a collection of scenes or a collection of of uh mini scenes or, or mini story arcs that comprise the whole the matt damon storyline is pretty short it, it can it, uh, we find out that he finds out later through um, official questioning that she was in Chicago um, and she changed her flight to get an earlier flight that would give her a five-hour layover in Chicago. And so uh, Matt Damon finds out that his wife was having an affair because it's Matt Damon that puts a name to the character. It's Niels, um, uh, something something Niels, that Niels and his wife have also died of this virus. And so that's how matt damon pieces that little piece of information together that gwyneth that his wife uh, beth i think her name is uh has has had a had is having an affair or had an affair at, at, and, at this point he's he is still in the hospital because they are not sure if he has the virus it's less than 24 hours since his wife di- died. died and 
and all and his young and his younger son so or it's her kid from a previous relationship i'm not sure i think it's the, but he doesn't seem that cut up over son yeah because neither he nor the the daughter his daughter are particularly broken up about clark dying hmm mm. um there's yeah so yeah so they they start off on a pretty rough foot and really their their story their through story is really about what what happens on the ground the response on the ground to the people and uh, to the, to this virus so for the f- for the first couple of days it's about so he is obviously once they find once they discover that that his wife and um stepson had both died he is put into containment his daughter's been staying somewhere else um i think with her with the mother with her mother yeah yeah um so she's not exposed she doesn't get it he is exposed but he he never shows any symptoms and so they did they determined that he is immune he is one of the such and such percent that that won't show any symptoms whatsoever even though, yeah. even though they're exposed to the virus so he can go out and walk around and be safe but what's more what's what's more worrying for him is the humans is that his daughter's yeah oh and yeah initially it's his daughter and and then it's and then it becomes more about just survival it becomes a story it's it reminded me a little of war of the worlds uh, which is oh, a yeah. movie that we've done on this podcast before that's the the spielberg version um yep. where it's you know, they get out of the city um uh tom, or they, tom they try to get tom out cruise of the and, city. tom cruise and the kids well they they get away from the uh the aliens but yeah they they still have to compete with all these other panicking people humans um, trying to get away from it and, yeah. and try and feed themselves and try and try and survive in this environment and that that's essentially the, the storyline for um for matt damon and and his daughter um you see yeah as as the society just degenerates it becomes worse and worse uh there are kind of riots over food um there's a there's a robbery over the road from their house where so he hears gunshots in the middle of the night um he's trying to keep his daughter's boyfriend away um <laughs> that kid just is thirsty man problems he is super problems, thirsty problems problems um yeah and that's really and and then it becomes about the the recovery towards the end because obviously they do come up they they come up well, not obviously but they do come up with a cure um in the kind of uh, a vaccine a vaccine in the second half of the movie and then it's about how much of that vaccine can be can be manufactured Reduced. how is it going to how and is who's going to get it first how is it going to be distributed yeah. fairly and 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 it's only at that point that you see so towards the end his last scene is that he's man i feel like i'm leaving out a lot but that's really all that happens to that's really all that happens Damon, he breaks into it? his neighbor's house to, to steal a gun to look for food and he obstinately steals a gun um because yeah uh, but yeah it, in a world in a world where in a lawless world where the cops don't come it's better to have a gun than be on the end of a gun so oh the the one other thing that happens to him is that the the funeral parlor won't take his wife's body and it's kind of implied there's some other lady there's some sort of relative and it's, it's i guess it's, it's kind of implied that she thinks maybe he's not trying that hard because of the affair and she says you know she she wasn't perfect it's it's something like that 
Oh, I missed that bit. I must have. I must have tuned out. Um, I remember the scene. The scene I liked with Matt Damon is uh, he's at the hospital and he's just being told that his wife's died, and um, and he goes, "Cool, can I talk to her now?" And it, it just hasn't sunk in that his his wife's dead. Yeah. Um, and then he, he needs to have it spelled out to him that you know that she was fine and they were eating pizza. Yeah. Um, yes. And he really he, he kind of he, he does the stages of grief. Um, yeah. Quite quite well. Denial to anger. And Denial. All of yeah. that. And then at the end, he's in the final shot or in the final closing parts of his story. Um, his daughter, the, the vaccine's been handed out, but um, he's immune. But the daughter um, is is a hundred and something on the list because they do it by birthday. So if you have your birthday on this day, you can get vaccinated. Um, and uh, but the boyfriend, his um, he's like third in line. Um, or in the third group of people to get it, um, and so he stages a a um, a prom night for his daughter in the house, and she puts on U two, which is very unrealistic. The teenage girl in two thousand and eleven is going to go for U two on the iPod. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and they're they're slow dancing to U two, and he's upstairs having it. He's clearly forgiven his wife all her transgressions because he's found a camera with some photos um that she took while she was in in china at the beginning of the film um and and he's having a bit of a cry about everything that's lost and how how much life has changed um which is a sweet sweet note for the for his story to close out on that he's forgiveness and acceptance so yeah he's closed out his stages of grief i guess what's most interesting about him and his struggle is that he he knows he's immune yeah but he still has to deal with everybody else around he's, him right he still has to, he's, so he has to he's he's not afraid he's no fear of the virus there's no re- yeah. no reason to worry about the virus at all yeah and and it was something that i watched it with with, with amy um it's something that we kept saying like what stop taking that kid with you what are you doing mm. like leave her at home um, like he goes to the supermarket and the supermarkets there's a run on the supermarket and people are people are getting nuts and he stood there in line with the with the girl um and yeah amy was just like fucking leave her at home what's wrong with you yeah you know she, you're immune she's not well the, the, so, the one well, you don't know if she is the one time he does leave her at home he finds her out the back about to <laughs> about to pass about to hook about up to pass the boy <laughs> yeah drags yeah, him so. off her and points a gun at him um the the other i guess the other the other side of that is that he also can't he knows he has an advantage over all these people but he can't use it because no one else yeah. no one else will listen to him he's he's yeah. trying to use it when he's trying to get over the over the border to a different state and they yeah. won't they won't let him leave and he says like I, i'm immune i cannot i'm immune i cannot she's... carry the virus and uh, but the guys yeah. won't listen to him like he he's, he's useless it's a it's a useless benefit yeah it's it's like having a superpower and not being able to use exactly. it. Exactly, it's so, a real, it's a really, yeah. it's it's kind of a, it's a cruel situation for him to be in. It's a yeah. cruel irony. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's a bit like now as well. Um, so here in the UK, they're talking about having a um, immunity passport. So they're talking because they're in the midst now of developing a home test kit for the COVID nineteen antibodies. So you'll be able to prick your finger and much like a pregnancy kit mix up a solution and dunk a little um, stick into it and depending on what lines show up they'll tell you if you've 
being exposed into what version of the virus or what variant of the virus. Um, and they're saying that if you've got that and you send your results in, you'll get effectively a pass that shows that you've had the virus and you're immune, so you're safe. You, you can travel or you can do stuff or you can return to work. What fucking good is that when 90% of, or 99% of your office or workplace is still furloughed or um, are, are in lockdown? So it, again, super accurate. And he goes to the department store and they've got these little wristbands that show that they're um, that they can scan to make sure that they're uh, immune or they've been vaccinated. Mm. And he goes into a department store that's guarded by a guy with a gun um, and there's nobody in there. So great, mm. but of what use? Mm. Thanks. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, should, we, should we do the authorities? Should we do the... Yeah, let's do the authorities. Um, so that's Lawrence Fishburne, um, Jennifer Eel... Uh, Brian Cranston, uh, Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet, thank you. So that's CDC, um, right? Center for Disease Control. Yeah, CDC. So, yep. and, so Lawrence Fishburne, he's um, Dr. Cheever, Alice Cheever, um, mm-hmm. and he's, uh, I guess, he's, he, is he head of the CDC? Certainly, he's a, he's a high up. He doesn't really have. He's, he doesn't have an obvious boss. He's got the military breathing down his neck, but I assume he's the boss. Yeah. Um, and he's um, working directly with Dr. Mears, which is Kate Winslet's character. So she's his, he describes them as joined at the cell phone. Um, she's yeah. his, his number two, I guess, his, his person on the, his doctor on the ground. Yeah. Um, the field worker. The field, yeah, she's his, she's his field worker, exactly. Um, and he also, um, so in that storyline as well as Jennifer Eel's character, who's, who's Dr. Ellie. Um, Ellie Hickstall, um, and she's she's a, a lab tech lab doctor um, who works mm. with uh, Dimitri Martin. I don't. Did you catch his name? His character's name? Oh no! Um, I said it earlier, but I didn't. I didn't. Uh, well, she's. A, I didn't recall. She's a lab. She's a lab tech anyway. So she's. She. They're, they're working to to discover what they can from the from the data in the lab. Um, yeah. So David. David Eisenberg. David Eisenberg. Um, yeah. So Lawrence Fishman, as as the boss, he's kind of he's kind of the central point. Um, yeah. And initially, he's I mean, it's it's as different to Outbreak as chalk and cheese because he's every, everything that happens in Contagion among the authorities is very is it's very calm and mm-hmm. organized and orderly, which is opposite end of the spectrum from Outbreak where everybody is screaming and giving passionate speeches and throwing stuff around in almost every scene. Um, yep. Where everything kind of plays out in a, in a, in a calm way. And you get a, the sense you get from, from Dr. Cheever is that he's, he's, he's trying to be calm and follow protocol and, and make the most sensible. I guess he's still in the same situation as Donald Sutherland in, outbreak and that he's 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 aiming for um the, 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 the needs the needs of the many like the yeah best outcome for the most possible people like he's he's working off working off numbers and he's trying yeah. trying to keep he's trying to save lives he's, yeah but he knows he's accepted early that he can't save everyone but he can save 70 percent of people but he, ne- he needs to, but he needs to keep emotion out of it um, yeah. And he also, he's also hyper aware of his need that his his role is to deal with the press as well. 
um, yeah. and and manage, as we've seen in in real life, manage public expectation and at the same time as managing balance balance managing the risk of the disease with managing the risk of public disturbance and panic. That's right. Because um, so- that's something that that's brought up early as well. They talk about the um, perceived overreaction of SARS of the SARS pandemic yes. um, or epidemic. Um, and like, oh, is this like SARS? So um, there's a conversation that's being had between uh, Kate Winslet and some town officials uh, in Minnesota or Michigan, wherever it was, uh, Minneapolis. And they're, they're talking about like, this is SARS all over again. Um, and it's a small town bureaucracy where they don't want to, uh, they recognize that there's going to be a significant cost mm. with anything that they do and they want to know who's going to pay for it. And it's this, 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 um, this fight to, to get people on board, to get people to go where they need to go to save lives, um, which again, turns out to be startlingly mm. um, accurate in what happens in real life, where the first question is not um, how many lives can we save by doing this early? It's by, it's the question is how much is this going to cost and what is the financial mm. impact going to be long term? And who's, and who's paying for that? And who's paying for it? So yeah i.e not me i.e not me i'm, I'm yeah. all on board with this life-saving business so long as i don't have to pay what, the bill. what budget is that coming out of is it is yeah it, yeah a literal line what budget Muni- is that munici- coming out of? municipal state federal yeah yeah or charity um yeah so so he's so lawrence fishburne is he's kind of the epicenter for that that sort of those those sort of um conflicts um he yeah. also has a uh, he has one of the one of the best scenes the best scenes in this movie are the ones where the experts are talking to non-experts and and, and <laughs> kind of staying calm but trying trying to explain to them why they are wrong in ways that don't make them angry ways that don't yeah. make them feel stupid um <laughs> And he's got wow. he's got yeah. he's got that scene where so Brian Cranston's the army guy and and he and he and he and another guy that they they grab Lawrence Fishburne as he's arriving at work and they drag him into a meeting room or they don't literally drag but they they pull him into a meeting room and they um they're talking to him about whether it could be an act of terrorism um is it oh. is, is it is it possible that the terrorists are weaponizing bird flu? <laughs> He just has to looks at them calmly and says, "The birds are doing that. <laughs> the birds are doing a good job of that by themselves." Yeah, it's, it's so so good. It's but it's it's an example of you know the 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 challenges that they are up against as experts, where it's it's the cost, but it's also the the fear, and and it's the mm. same. It's the same thing happens to Kate Winslet, um, as as Mia's in the in that in that same. Uh, yeah where, where she's meeting and it's the the the, the fear response um uh, where, where, she, where she's she's trying to manage it and they, they kind of she's trying to explain she talks about um and she actually compares it she literally compares it to compares it to jaws and she says you can you know you can make people's you can make people stay out of the water um with a plastic shark a rubber shark uh, in a movie mm. in a movie but can but you can't necessarily make people stay home if you tell them they are there is genuinely something outside their house that could kill them and the best way to avoid yep. it is to stay home they won't stay in they won't do it and she's trying to explain it but the the 
there's an aggressive kind of local official who cuts her off before she can before she can finish that and that's what that's what you that's what they're kind of dealing with as experts is it's and it's a a bit of an american thing i think that kind of anti-expert anti-intellectual response although having said which I mean, in the UK, there's plenty of mm. anti-intellectual um, people here coming out yeah. with all kinds of responses it's... to because we're under we're not under we're not under um, any kind of martial law or anything like that that says that pe- people outside their homes will be prosecuted. Uh, it's on a bit of an honor system. We are not meant to have congregations, and you can go outside for essentials and for a bit of exercise. Um, but uh, they are starting to find people, and this is exactly what you see here as well. Like you're, th- that character is right. Um, you, you can tell people there's a literal virus outside that can hurt you if you come into contact with other people, um, and so don't go to public places. And the very first thing here in the UK, in the first weekend after they they put in place a lockdown, uh, where it was if you work from home, uh, people were starting getting furloughed. Uh, stay inside, um, go outside for a little bit of exercise. Uh, they left the major parks in London open. And on the very, very first weekend, Hyde Park um, had so many people in it. There's photos of people in Hyde Park because everyone went to Hyde Park. Mm. Um, people went to the beach. There were traffic queues to get to the coast uh, where people were driving to the coast for the weekend. And it's people did not get it. Yeah. People did not understand. Yeah, I mean, there's, Again, there's, there's two things, right? There's, there's, there's general ignorance and then there's actually, there's willful distrust of expertise and, and a belief that, and that expertise is just as, just as likely to be wrong and to be working for some nefarious purpose. Where it's different, 16 years ago, an outbreak, it's, it's the authority is actually bad. It's the, the yeah. authority is bad because he has something to cover up. And this, in right. this movie, the authorities are just people trying to do their damn jobs. Uh, and trying to save lives and part of yeah part of their struggle their their enemy their conflict is with idiots who think that who don't, who don't trust experts and don't trust expertise and yeah. think, think it's all a load of hogwash i mean it's not i mean I, as much as i'd like to just say and this is a little off topic but on topic um and a little bit of political history and film history so outbreak that's 94 95 so you figure the gestation period for that film idea is like or the threads that make up that film come from like the five years before that film comes out right Mm. so at the end of the 80s that's the end of the reagan era in america you've got the iran contra affair you've got all these high ranking government officials involved in a nefarious plot to sell cocaine and um to, to 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 sell cocaine to get money to fund contra rebels in south america who who are literally just killing people left, right, and center, all under the auspices of st- protecting everyone from communism. And that, that, was a, that was a scandal all the way to the top. Um, and all these people involved in it, George Bush, Ronald Reagan, um, Oliver North, you know, they're all, they're all up to their ankles in it. So a movie like Outbreak comes out in 95, it's totally conceivable for the American public that's aware of these things to go i buy that mm. as a plausible explanation because that's exactly what happened mm. five six seven eight years earlier um and i think this movie comes out in 2011 um so by that point you're already into the ninth year of the iraq afghanistan gulf war two um you know it's post 9 11 mm. um it's you fully believe in this idea like they mention it it comes up several times you know terrorism is this a terrorist threat Mm. have terrorists done this um 
yeah and it's that not this idea that um, the government is evil but bureaucracy is benign and it really doesn't matter it's just unlucky if you come down on one side or other of the bureaucratic process as to whether you become a victim or not so i think it's interesting like that's how the government is portrayed in those two different movies like this one's a, a lumbering bureaucratic beast um, that if, if pointed in the right direction is a powerful force for good, but if pointed in the wrong direction is just completely decimates everything in its path, which, which I thought was interesting. But. Mm. Um, I guess that's what film is in general, right? It's just a reflection of people's fears and, and emotions of the time. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so the, so has, so the, again, most of the first, most of the first half of the movie, um, plays out particularly for, for Lawrence Fishburne's character he's, he's fairly calm and he's making calm decisions um, and then uh, his his big turning point comes when he he makes a decision to phone his um, part girlfriend partner. Um, yeah it's never really made terribly clear they're not married because they have a wedding later yeah, in the film fiance, uh, could yeah. be a fiance anyway not partner. sure he makes the decision to phone her and tell her to get out and he's, he's giving her special information because he knows that they're about to shut down movement around the country yeah um but uh, a cleaner over overhears him do this um she, and and she also she also tells her friend she's um she can't resist telling her friend even though he's told her not to tell anyone else she tells her friend not to tell anyone else and then within four hours there is panic um uh, yeah and there's there's a there's a really good a really good line just just before that where um i think it's brian cranston's character says the important thing is is that nobody knows until everyone knows so everybody knows yeah and and he fails that because he tells he tells his partner and then and then it, it fans out from there uh and it, so it, you, you, it, it's it's revealed that he has revealed this information he has you know um prioritized his he's, he's, he's taken the emotional route right he's prioritized himself and his loved ones um which is interesting because at the beginning of the the film um cheever and that cleaner have a conversation about a fantasy football league hmm. and the um cheever notes to the cleaner whose name I, I forget um uh you know sorry the cleaner notes to cheever that he he's got to stop backing those lions which is a team hmm you got to play with your head, not your heart. Um, and that's exactly what Cheever does later as he plays with his oh. heart, not his head. And so it's a nice little setup one-two punch because that's exactly what Cheever does is given a moment where he could do the right thing or he could, he could do the, the thing he's supposed to do or, or what he feels is the right thing, which is to tell his partner to get out so she can come and be with him. He chooses his heart over his head. So I hadn't tied that together. That's uh... Hey, nice little, filmmaking. Nice little nod. Um, <laughs> so he's so this it undermines him later on because he is he's going up against um, Jude Law's character Alan in an interview, and we'll talk about him in a little bit. Um, but at, oh boy, will we? Alan is able to undermine Cheever's authority because it's been revealed that he's made this decision, uh, and, and he becomes he becomes a bit of a lame duck. Um, but it, 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 again, it hinders. It's about how that, you know, he's made this decision. But the the kind of nature of humans to judge that decision makes people also judge the medical advice that he has given. Yeah. Um, yeah. So undermining that, if you if you find, do you remember a time 
where a single character flaw or a single bad decision was enough to under um you know completely uh, throw a, a campaign off the rails in such a such a, an efficient manner uh, that would have long-lasting consequences. I, I live for those days again, where where something like that would happen. Um, whereas, if you look at the response to some of the the, the virus, the COVID nineteen stuff today, um, there's been it's been a series of bad decisions, and seemingly nothing has happened yet mm. um, of lasting consequence, other than unfortunately people losing their lives mm. um, in in an unnecessary fashion. But, um, yeah. So we've we've gone off track from so we stopped talking about Mia's Mia's um so Kate Winslet's character about a third of the way about half an hour through the movie she because she starts to fall sick no it's about halfway through the movie 44 minutes she falls sick um yeah first thing she does is get on the phone and uh inform get she gets the hospital uh, the hotel where she works at to inform all of their staff that they all should yep. self-isolate so she's been um you know, she follows to the to the book. She's she's looking after other people. Um, she phones phones Chiva, uh, explains it to him. He attempts to get her out of the small town that she's in and somewhere somewhere larger where we, she can be looked after in a proper medical facility. But the the plane that they have for such purposes is not available because it's being used to transport some congressman. Um, yeah, a VIP, and then and the, and, yep. and all travel is about to be shut down. So um, Mears Mears from going to Mears goes from as quite a bit of pathos in this. She goes from being the one organising the the facility in the football stadium where the mass treatment where, facility where they're going to look yeah. after all these people. She becomes a, a victim in that, and she winds up dying there. Um, and she has a a, um, a last moment where the the guy on the on the um, stretcher next to her. Cot. Yeah, the is, cot next to her um, is freezing. Is, is, yeah. he's, he's, he's shaking from fever. He's cold. Uh, the, the nurse says they don't have any more blankets. And in her dying moment, Mia passes him her her puffer jacket. Or attempts, her puffer to, jacket, yeah, attempts to pass. Attempts to pass puffer her jacket puff, over puffer to him. jacket, um, which which kind of casts her as the. The, the the moral compass for the movie she doesn't really she doesn't really put a foot wrong as, as by no. st- yeah um by any she any is. standard really she's she does she does it all right she gives her best and, and indeed she gives her life trying to trying to combat this virus yeah we talked about it off air um but we were saying how there are no uh well and we mentioned it earlier but there are no characters that are are traditionally good or traditionally bad there's just people on a scale a sliding scale of gray but if there was a a purely moral character a righteous a righteous good person it would be her character and she would be at the far end on the on the very light scale um and and she doesn't as you say she doesn't put a foot wrong she she literally gives her life in service of of the greater good and her final dying act is to try and give her jacket to the person next to her literally the shirt off her back mm. um to, to, to try and ease them in their in their suffering um so yeah she is the only good character and she dies uh less than halfway through the film and uh i said this off air as well but it it it's kind of it kind of resonated a little bit with me because my my high school drama teacher this guy called uh, bruce um he he once said that um because i complained that shakespeare heroes all died and he said well that's real life in real life the hero dies in a field 
and you never hear about them and you never know of their sacrifice they're just someone who died and um for a greater good and that's exactly what happens to this character she dies and is buried in a mass grave um, and the people burying her aren't even talking about her they're talking about how they've run out of body bags mm. so um and and that's that that that's her character mm. i just thought that was very poignant very sad yeah she and she really gets she never comes up at the end either where there's there's the, after they've found the vaccine and in the and the scenes of comparative triumph they never refer back to her chiva never refers back to her she's really she's really forgotten no. the moment she dies she is the foot soldier in 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 war, in war. Who, who gets shot who gets shot five minutes after they land on the beach um without having done anything much other than you know possibly set up that treatment facility it's funny that they don't they don't do much to endear her she's she's not kind of she's not funny or she doesn't she doesn't make jokes she doesn't save a she doesn't save a cat either no she's no one saves she's just really kind of earnest yeah she's trying to do the right thing you don't feel much well, I didn't feel much when she died, and maybe that's that's partly because it's. I think that's. It's, I think that's the point, though. Is like there's so much death. How how can you how can you uh, be sad for one individual death? Yeah, and it, and it's almost an antithesis to outbreak where, when um, Kevin Spacey's character um, is sick and is dying, the the filmmakers have done a lot to endear him to you. He's funny. He's witty. Um, he's likable mm. um, he's presented in a fun way um, and so when he dies you've built a relationship with that character and and he's out of the film um, and so you feel something and that's that's exactly the point though steven soderbergh smart filmmaker he knew that that would be the hollywood way to make that picture and he doesn't make a hollywood picture he makes a steven soderbergh picture and so he's done that on purpose yeah. and and i, I, I you got to respect it at you might not feel anything for that character, but that's the point. Yeah, they're, they're an administrator who died along the way, and um, yeah. Anyway, moving that's, on. Yeah, that's that's interesting. That th- thinking of her as a soldier, like a, yeah, well, there's no other way to think a, about a, it. Really. A sergeant, just she's on the front line, she's taking orders, doing taking her job, orders and doing her job. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then she dies. Now we haven't yeah. talked about. Um, so it's interesting. So she makes an interesting contrast with jennifer eels character whose name is ellie hextall so she's the she's yeah. the lab doctor um and she, she she doesn't um appear a whole lot in the first half of the film she's kind of mostly seems like she's there as a as as a vehicle to feed plot information and to and and to chiva and thus to the audience about what what doctor science exposition (laughs) what we know about this virus right now and you know charts the path of discovery and how long it takes to learn different things so she explains early on she explains that the they haven't been able to it's about 30 minutes into the movie they haven't been able to learn anything because the virus kills cells too quickly they can't they can't study it because they can't replicate it because every time they try and replicate it, it kills whatever they put it into. Um, mm. And um, so, you know, she's, she's kind of there as that, just like you say, Dr. Science Exposition. Um, but second half of the movie, she um, comes into her own because she thinks she's able to develop a vaccine. This is kind of in the, kind of in the depths uh, um, 
uh, at the the lowest at the lowest point. She thinks she's developed a vaccine, but it's going to be a year of of development and and testing. Um, uh, you know, human trials. As, yeah, make sure it's safe. As you work, as it you work up through lab mice and rhesus monkeys and and all of that. Um, um, so she, the Jude Law character, has a line about it's a bad time to be a rhesus monkey. Yeah. Um, so she 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 does. Was it was it the the guy who was it polio or some someone who someone who cured, thought he developed a vaccine vaccine for something injected himself with it and then went and got the disease and that was yeah he, he was um, his own human is that, test. Is that Richard Salk? I don't know. Um, I think they give another name. Um, Jonas Salk. Yeah, he's the polio vaccine guy. Yeah, and um, in in real life, he 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 injected himself. He was like one of the very first test patients, and then he went out and tried to give himself polio hmm. to um, to to see if his vaccine. I don't think that's the example they give in the film, though. I think they give a different example, hmm. but it's Jonas Salk um, is the, is the polio guy. So she so she does the same thing, but she she tests it with her. So she gives herself the vaccine, and then she tests with her dad. She goes and goes and gives her dad a hug and a kiss on the kiss on the forehead. Who's and he's lying in a sick bed. And um, uh, there's a there's a nice scene where she says, you know, he's he's gotten sick because he stayed open and operating as a GP. Even when everybody yeah. else, when everybody Treating else sick closed, people, when everybody else closed their um, doors, so that's what that's what her kind of motivation is. And yeah, it turns out that it's it's worked. And it, it's actually so that's interesting that you thinking about these two, but about Ellie and about Mears, uh, using that military me- metaphor. You're right. Mears is the Mears is the one who dies in the field and is unrecognized. Ellie is the one who, yeah, she takes a risk. Um, but she she survives and she goes on to get the get the glory and and I wonder if I wonder if they are Steven Soderbergh is setting that up as a you know the the returning soldier who comes home and gets gets mm. the Medal of Honor um, gets the glory uh, is Medal of Honor one that only goes to people posthumously I don't know but that, she gets the medal anyway um, and get and gets the recognition and she's thinking. Well, that's great, but I'm not. I'm not the hero here. The heroes, the, the heroes, are the one who who died in the died in the mud or in the yeah, and on the stretcher, as it were, in this one. Anyway, we've man, we've gone over time. We are getting worse and worse at keeping on time in this <laughs> podcast. We've still got two. We've yeah. still got two more stories to talk about. Let's do. So let's do, the Marion Coltyard one is is pretty pretty yeah, straightforward. She's a WHO employee. Yeah, we'll we'll bash it out real quick. She's working in China trying to figure out the source. And you can see her arguing with the local officials, but it turns out the local officials are, have their own agenda because uh, there's a small village that they're from and a whole bunch of people have died in that small village. And ultimately they, they conspire to kidnap her, take her to the small village to try and force the WHO into giving them this cure they think they have because there's rumor and conjecture and the internet's talking about how the Americans and the English or the French have a, have a cure. Um, and so their, their plan is to kidnap her and force them to give them the vaccine or cure. Um, and in the meantime, she becomes a little bit indoctrinated into the, and she becomes emotionally attached to the to the villagers. And um, and so ultimately, there is a trade where they, they return her, um, and she is clearly embedded um, emotionally with their plight. 
um, and, uh, and, it, and it transpires that they weren't actually given a vaccine. They were given a, a, a placebo. Um, and she, she storms out of the airport that, on her way home, having been given the actual um, uh, uh, vaccine. Um, and that's the Marion Coltyard um, arc, um, where she's basically gone a bit... Um, what what Stockholm? Stockholm. She's clearly yeah. got a bit of Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. So um, a, that's a real quick summation of her story arc. Um, I, I really don't have a lot to say about that particular story. It just kind of felt like they needed another on the ground in China um, response to the Matt Damon story. So like the Matt Damon storyline is clearly the American side of it, but we really don't see a whole lot of the Chinese side of it beyond the small village in China that's been decimated by the virus i think the the only thing i thought about about that storyline is it's it's so she's she's not in the film for about 45 minutes and it's a short film it's only it's only 100 minutes long um yeah it's a it it feels like there's so much more to her storyline that i would have loved to see and and i presume they've filmed it and left it on the cutting room floor which was a really disciplined decision because it's like i say it's not a long movie uh, but but mm. I actually think it's a real shame. I really wanted to learn more. She she, she after she's after she is kidnapped, um, she disappears completely from the movie and she doesn't appear again until right at the very end. Um, when when you have when she's teaching when, when she's teaching school to kids. Yeah, she's teaching school to kids, and you you have this this Stockholm syndrome thing that plays out. And man, I wanted to know more about that. I thought that was really 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 intriguing. Um, but it's it's, yeah. it's it's kind of cut off, and, and it's a bit of a shame. Um, now the last one, so the last one we should talk about is so the character is Alan. He's played by Jude Law, so he's a he's doing doing a pretty poor Australian accent. It's it drifts in and out. Um, he's a so he's a, a bit of a conspiracist. He's claims he's a journalist, um, uh, anti-vaxxer. And yeah. he, if there is if there is an evil character in this movie, it's Jude Law. Yeah. So yeah, the complete opposite end of the spectrum to the Kate Winslet character. Uh, there's nothing redeeming about his character at all. So uh, he's self-serving. Um, he's uh, uh, I, well. I think that's as good a description as he needs. He's completely self-serving. Uh, everything he does, he does it for his own personal gain. Um, he shows little to no empathy to a woman. Um, is it implied that the woman who turns up on his doorstep is a lover because she says she's pregnant? Um, no, I don't. Yeah. No, I didn't get that. She was. She, he talks to her at the start. He's. She's the. She, she's in the newsroom. She's the. She's the newsroom. He's trying to get yeah, her to yeah, run. He's the, trying to get her to run his story, but she doesn't take him seriously as a journalist. Yeah. She kicks. She yeah. kicks him. And out. fair enough. He's. He's a piece of trash. But it unfortunately for and and as is usually the case in real life he has an ounce of um, credibility because he was right about one thing so he did point out that there was a story about the 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 man on the train and how this is the start of a of an epidemic and so he was right about the one little detail and that means that everything else he's got now has got credibility which is the which is the again the antithesis of the Chiba character because the Chiba character was wrong about one thing, um, and so now everything he's done has been undermined. 
Whereas with this character, he's right about one thing. So that means everything else he's saying has got credibility. Mm. And so he uses that ounce of credibility to, to back a, um, a herbal supplement, um, which he says cures it. And then he create concocts a, um, a narrative around how he's used the, 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 the supplement as a panacea, which then um, causes the company that, that's making the supplement to, to sell a lot of it and get rich in the yes, process people and and, um, and and people causes people to riot in pharmacies yeah yeah because there are only 50 doses and um not everyone can have one and so people people are sick and dying as a result um and yeah and his story is ultimately um comes full circle when uh homeland security arrest him for uh for manslaughter um securities fraud um, and conspiracy, um, and they've got him on tape, and and he, at the end of the film, he is still claiming uh, not to take the vaccine because it's going to hurt you, and and all this stuff. And he is by far the most frustrating character for me in this film because I've met people like him. So he and and he's he earns he earns a ton of money. He earns something like four million dollars plus. You know, God knows how much from his other followers. They 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 stump up to pay his bail. They bail him they out. Bail, they bail yeah. him out after he's after he's arrested. Um, and yeah, you, you it implies that there's going to be a, there's going to be a long and frustrating court battle, um, but that he's he might do a little time. He might walk away. Hard to say. Hard to say. Um, he'll he will be um, his his case will be tried in the in the public. Um, in the public eye um, and he'll have a, a, an army of people um, who have um, questionable uh, science um, uh, skills in the background or unrelated science degrees coming to his defense or he'll have you know America has uh, an interesting medical system where um, I forget the name uh, they're, they're not quite doctors but they are sort of doctors they have a lot of credibility but ultimately they're not doctors they are something else and they have all the credibility that your family gp does and he's one of them and and we're seeing this now where people are claiming that um covid19 is related to to the the telecommunication 5g wireless communications rollout and they're saying that these are one-to-one relationship um and there are people here in the uk burning 5g towers because they think that it's causing COVID. It's just nuts. Um, and these people are nuts and they are going to cost people's lives. And, and this movie deals with that. They point out, and rightly, that this person um, has cost people their lives. And so you could argue these people may, might be able to justify that in their head because they're so self-serving. They might be able to go, well, those people are probably gonna die anyway or they're gonna get sick anyway. And I, I didn't make them sick. All I did was tell them that he uses product which is harmless and ineffective and does nothing anyway. Um, so really all I was doing was giving them hope and, and can you really put a price on hope? Um, but no, in this film it shows riots being caused because they can't get a hold of mm. this, this panacea placebo that he's, he's selling. And he's getting rich in the process. Mm. Fuck that guy. Yeah. So, and, and you know, anti-vaxxers in general, are, holy shit. You are literally costing people lives. <laughs> Stop it. There are so many, so many scenes in this movie. Anytime I, anytime I see one of those scenes, um, I'm sure I'm not the only one thinks of that. You know, the, the Simpsons they do it all the time, where 
panic breaks out in the town and you know people just people just go from walking down the street to suddenly they're tipping build tipping cars over and <laughs> tipping cars smashing over, yeah. smashing windows <laughs> yep <laughs> where, where can we get these placebos maybe there's some in this truck <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> flip the truck yeah there's there's a there's a scene with matt damon where there's a riot cause because they've run out of food because the military is dispensing food um and uh they've run out of food and people storm the back of this truck um, because they think there's more food in the truck um and and matt damon's saying the truck's empty but people are doing this dumb thing and i i always remember um this is another sorry a, a lot of my reference comes from films it's it's really quite lame but um there's a scene in men in black where um they're talking and and they're it's getting explained that uh one will smith's character says you know uh you know why don't you tell people the truth people are smart and and the response is um a a person is smart people are a wild panicky bunch and that is so fucking true yeah Um, a a single person clever you put them in a, a crowd and people go nuts um although i would just say that this film is unrealistic in that nobody is buying toilet paper um, and <laughs> yeah. there aren't scenes of people running down the street carrying 28 rolls of toilet in paper. fact there's a there's a um, montage of of people panic buying stuff at supermarkets and toilet paper never comes up you miss you no, miss that there's batteries, miss that one steve canned yeah there's canned foods there's um like flashlights there's candles and stuff like that. All the things I thought would go. There's people robbing liquor stores. Um, hand sanitizer. I think what hand sanitizer. But what they're, they're on the money with that. But what I thought thought was interesting was um, here in the UK the the toilet paper and canned good and dried pasta went straight away. Um, but there's still booze on the shelf. <laughs> so either they've got better supplies of booze than they did of that other stuff, or people when it really comes down to it just are want are hungry and need to wipe their ass when they take a dump so. <laughs> <laughs> this is what it really boils down to that's what that those are the priorities that people have so we're getting towards the end of this podcast and i'm trying to think of a light thing that we can end it on and i don't think it should be taking a dump <laughs> uh, i don't know if there's a light if there's a light place to end this podcast but um i think ultimately the trust trust in the science it hasn't it hasn't steered us wrong um yes science gave us the atomic bomb but it also gave us the polio vaccine and the smallpox vaccine and it will it will give us a vaccine for COVID 19 um and we need to trust that the people who have spent their lives studying these these things know what they're talking about and and not put your faith in that weird uncle on Facebook who says he read um, this this thing online that that proves that COVID nineteen is a, is a military weapon, or has been uh, has been turned on by the chemtrails, um, that person is nuts and they should be ignored. Um, don't don't give don't give insanity a platform, and stop paying attention to stop paying attention to crazy people. Um, they don't deserve your time or effort. And I think I think so. there's there's a message in there about looking after each other as as well. You, you, like politicians say this, they say we should all look after each other. And you think, well, what does that mean? I, th- I think it just means like thinking about more than yeah. more than yourself. Yeah, yeah. Like if you go to the supermarket and there are two packs of toilet paper left, and you do need toilet paper, 
you're not stockpiling it buy one pack Mm. you don't need both of them if you go to the supermarket and there's eight cans of tinned tomatoes left do you really need eight tins of tinned tomato no you need two just stop being selfish so what do you think of this what do you think of this movie is it verging on greatness look when i first watched it i thought this was a good movie um it terrified me Mm. i I watched it with someone who had a who had a a a science degree in in biology um and and they thought it was accurate and um at the time and um i thought and i'm watching it again now it is chilling it is absolutely terrifying how accurate this movie gets Mm. the pandemic part and that that is a testament to either the research or the vision of the filmmakers um so on that basis alone um it is verging on greatness this feels like a movie that can't that should have come out five years from now when we've we've put COVID 19 mm. to bed and it's a retelling of the COVID 19 yeah. pandemic it's, it's um, like a movie about pearl harbor five years before pearl harbor yeah exactly that um it's chilling how accurate it is and steven soderbergh must just be must just be rubbing his hands together um and patting the burns the the right on the back and hey we got it right Mm. chalk went up to the good guys yeah and i think if you if you measure it um i i say this a lot you measure it according to how well it achieves what the filmmakers are setting out to achieve it 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 hits all the buttons You, you get a sense that it's they they'd probably look back on this and not think that there's too much wrong with this it it achieves everything they want there's there's a lot of stuff that i'd like to know more about and a lot of stuff that i could probably know less about um yeah but you know they've they've made some very disciplined decisions they've kept it kept it to 100 minutes um because without without a proper three-act structure you know it's hard to watch a long movie that that, Mm. that doesn't have that doesn't have a structure that that you can kind of settle into where you know where you are at mm. each point to break up that time so they've, they've kept it short they've they've kept up their discipline even though there's more to more stories to tell on all of these um well we talked about this off air we're saying how this this film has a very um uh feels very influenced by the wire um, yeah where it's this 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 is story about you know um morally ambiguous people none of them are good or bad um and it's they're products of their environment they're products of their situation uh, of their circumstance and and they're just trying to get through it the best way they can those were your words so i'm quoting mike here um and i think this film lends itself to a show like that so the only way this movie would be better for me is if like you said we had more time to spend on certain elements of the story so that the human drama could unfold mm. better um and th- this show is like a, a mini series probably would have worked better or in a show like the wire where each season is dedicated to um one one group of people so you have a season with the matt damon character you have a season with the the cheaper character you have a season with with the the alan uh jude luke uh, jude, uh, jude law character um, and and or and the Marion Cotillard character and 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 those are your four seasons and how those those things all fit together and, and piece up to a bigger picture, um, and and you know what I, I can see I can see that happening when we get past COVID nineteen 
I can see them coming back and doing like a Contagion 2025 mm. uh, where they and it's a HBO miniseries where they where they do exactly that and they just expand you know or Contagion the the show um, where they do where they show that and that's the only way I think this gets better for me um, so yeah verging on greatness in fact uh, terrifying terrifyingly so yeah so okay I gotta agree. We should so, we should wrap this up. Thank you, Craig. It's late. Um, thank you. F- thank, thank you, you for listening. Uh, it's great to have you on board. We'll be back. Um, we've still got a few more weeks of lockdown, so we might try and uh, knock out a few more episodes. We'll try and release a few more. Um, in the meantime, give you something to do while you're at home. Yeah, in the meantime, um, <laughs> uh, what a better time than now to get in touch? Reach out to us. Uh, let us know. Um, what what movies that we've done that you agree with or disagree with or what movies we should do what what's a what's a movie yeah that's or what you thought about this and, greatness um, yeah and also um for all those out there you know uh, listen to your your health professionals stay at home keep your social distancing up don't believe in crackpot conspiracy theories they're not true um, if you have to bend reality in order to make your theory work it's not a theory it's a crackpot conspiracy theory and it's to be ignored um don't uh don't do dumb things and be nice to people it's not hard it literally takes no effort at all so thanks thank you craig be good everyone thank you mike bye everyone Thank you.